You're listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. You can find notes for this message along with more information about our church by visiting church2911.com. Here's our lead pastor, Rick Hand, with this week's message. Let's think about the life of Christ for just a moment if we can, okay? Um, He was born in what city? Anybody know? Bethlehem, yeah, Bethlehem. Yeah, and uh, I, I know you and I, that doesn't mean a whole lot to us. Even if you've been to the Holy Land, if you go and you go to Bethlehem, you're probably there's like, oh, man, this is awesome, it's wonderful. You're just overcome with all the emotions, you know, and everything. But, but it, really back in the day when Jesus was born, that was not the place you would choose to be born, okay? You know, that was, that was not on the top ten list, you know, of like places I want to have my child born, and especially having to have him born in a place where I had to lay him in a manger. Y'all remember what a manger is, right? It's a food trough. You know, it's covered with, it's covered with donkey spit, you know, and maybe some donkey regurgitation too, right? I started to say throw up, but I started to say regurgitation. I guess I said I'm both now, okay? Uh, but, you know, and that's what, that was not the plan, you know? That was not what Mary was hoping for, you know, and if Jesus could, you know, have chosen, I mean, that wasn't really what he would have chosen to do. And then they had to, they had to flee. They had to flee to Egypt because Herod wanted to kill Jesus if he could find him. So they had to flee to Egypt, so they run away to Egypt. Now, Joseph, uh, uh, Joseph raised Jesus, you know, and, and Joseph was a carpenter, and we have, you know, some places that say that Jesus was a carpenter too. And so we know he probably did work in a carpenter shop, and everybody doesn't like carpentry, you know, but, you know, a lot of people don't like carpentry. I like working with wood a whole lot better than other things. You know, if you make a, make a mistake with wood, you know, you get a little crack in it, you get a little air going through there. But like when you're working with plumbing and you get a little crack there, I mean, you got a problem, you know. So I kind of like working with wood, but, it, you know, everybody doesn't like working with wood. That's what Jesus had to do. That was his lot in life. And then when he started his ministry, there were a lot of people were blown away by what he said, but some people didn't like it at all. They fought him. They made accusations against him. They tried, they tried to weigh every word and turn it against him in some way. They ran him out of their towns. Some even tried to run him off of a cliff one day, but God helped him. Uh, his father helped him just, just get away and, and go through the crowd and, and get out. And then that last week, you know, that last week, he, he, he started there this, the, these last two or three days. You know, we talk about, you know, Holy Week toward the end of that week. He goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. And right as he finishes this prayer that he has prayed, three different times we know he went to pray, and he went to pray, and he went to pray. And as he's finishing that prayer, he gets arrested. Have any of you ever prayed a prayer and felt like you didn't get an answer? Jesus prayed a prayer and got arrested. I mean, wouldn't that make you say, wait a minute, God, (laughs) you know, hold on here just a minute. You know, this isn't what I was praying about at all. He got arrested. And then he spent all night long in trials. Pilate to Herod, back to Pilate. He, uh, they, they, they had paid people to come in and, and give false testimony against Jesus. They mocked him. They spit on him. They slapped him in the face. They beat him. And then they carried him out and crucified him. Let's read just a few verses. This is Matthew's retelling of, of those last couple of hours or so, a few hours or so in Jesus' life. Matthew 27, beginning of verse 26. So Pilate released Barabbas to them, but he had Jesus flogged, and he handed him over to be crucified. Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole company around him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him, and they twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand, knelt down before him to mock him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. Then they spit on him, 
they took the staff and struck him on the head repeatedly. After they had mocked him, they removed the robe and put his own clothes back on him. Then they led him away to crucify him. Of all that that I've talked about so far, the beginning of this message, of all that, tell me, what of that did Jesus do for himself? What did he choose and say, look, this is what's best for me, so I'm going to do this. I'm going to be born in Bethlehem. No, that wasn't best for him. I'm going to flee to, no, that wasn't what was best, to him, best for him. You know, I, I'm going to be run out of town and have crowds almost throw me off a cliff. That wasn't what was best of him. None of this was for him. Every bit of it was for you. Everything he did, his whole life, not just, not just that last week or those last few days or those last few hours, everything he did, he did for you. But I want you to get this too, because I think sometimes we think about the stuff that he did and say, well, I'm glad that he did it because I needed that. That's some good stuff that he did for me, and I, I, need, I needed that. But he didn't just do it because it was good stuff. You see, this whole plan was that he subbed for us. Y'all know what a substitute is, don't you? You know what a sub is? You know, back in, you know, when I was playing sports, I was a good sub. I was good, you know, good six man, you know, on the basketball team. I, I was good at that, you know, sub coming out off the bench. That's what Jesus did. He subbed for us. You know, just like, as you saw in that, that uh, the first verse there, it said something about releasing Barabbas. Now, Barabbas was a prisoner, and he was released, and Jesus took his place. I wonder what that meant. I mean, I, I know what it meant. He, you know, they could release somebody, and he released Barabbas instead of releasing Jesus. And I know that, but, but think about what that, might have, that he took, that he took Barabbas's, you know, shackles. And you, think, you ever think about this? That Jesus was the last minute that was brought to him. I, you know, Herod didn't want anything to do with this situation, okay? It was too politically charged. He didn't want anything to do with it. Pilate had judged him and said, I can find no wrong in him. And he didn't want to kill him, but they kept insisting. So, so, so this was not a planned execution. They didn't have a cross ready with Jesus' name written on it, but they released Barabbas, who had already been in jail. So maybe, have you ever thought about this? Maybe Jesus actually took Barabbas's cross. He subbed for Barabbas in the same way he subbed for every one of us. Let me, let me read to you from Isaiah chapter 53, the verse 4 and 5. Yet it was our weakness. This was written hundreds of years before Jesus lived. And it's, it's prophecy of Jesus. It was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. He took our place. It was not just he's doing good things and he did this, that's a good thing. No, he took your place because it was your mistakes. It was your sin. It was your struggles. It wasn't his struggles. He didn't have any struggles before he was born in this, on this earth. Before God became came to us and became man. He didn't have any struggles. He came to take our struggles. And, and, and here we see all this happened so that we could be healed, we could be whole. Think about this. If you, if you, you know, there's a, that movie, uh, The Passion of the Christ thing was. You ever watch that? And you realize, and, you, and if you're not, you need to look at that sometimes as they try to depict this. 
is that all that Jesus went through in those, those final hours of his life, I mean, his body was literally broken down. And why was it broken down? Because he took our place. Because all of us are broken, and he became broken so that we could be whole. He took our place. And so you could be whole, and, and, and you could be whole physically, and, and we, we preach that so much, but also so that we can be whole emotionally and so that we can be whole spiritually. That's why he did that is because all of us are broken. Hang on to that, okay, because uh, that's important. We are all broken, all right? So as that says, he was whipped so we could be healed. Let's look at this scripture. Talk about that whip there just a little bit. First Peter chapter 2, verse 24. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right, and by his wounds you were healed. I'm, I'm not a Greek scholar, but someone told me this a long time ago, that the word there for you are healed, the word are, is actually possibly a past tense of, of that word. And so what it means, like Isaiah, it's, it's, he's referring back to what Isaiah said hundreds of years before Jesus lived. This is after Jesus had died and resurrected. And so, so that Isaiah was talking about by his stripes you're healed and, and, and that Peter maybe is saying by his stripes you were healed. That it's already done. He's already taken all this and it's already done. It, but by his stripes we've all been healed. You've been healed and we, it, that it's there. It's just waiting for us. He was broken so that you could be healed. Your healing is already provided for. Now this... Uh, this word that we saw in, in the scriptures, we were reading it a few moments ago, was flogged, right? Sounds like something they do on British, in the British Navy, right? Flogging somebody. But let me ask you, anybody here ever gotten a spanking before? Y'all know what spankings are? Right. I sometimes wonder, you know, you know I'm not, not sure. But anybody ever, let me ask you this, anybody ever gotten a whooping? You know the difference? <laughs> if you ever got a whooping, you definitely know the difference, all right? Spanking is here, but whooping's here, right? But what Jesus had happened is here. They had devised this, this beating in such a way. And, and we, have, we have historical records of this uh, beyond, beyond Scripture, beyond the Bible, that talk about what they did. And in and, uh, and these leather straps, they would tie metal balls. And also at times they would tie, they would tie the, the bones of animals. So that when the, when the whip went across the back of the, the one receiving the beating, the, the, the bones from the animals w would tear into the flesh of, of, of the person being whipped. I mean, it was a brutal thing. His body was literally broken for you so that, because you were broken, so that you could be whole. Okay, so we're all, we're all broken, all right? Hang on to that. There's something else that, they, that was mentioned there. Crown, a crown crown of thorns. Y'all know what crowns are, right? You know, I, I got a little granddaughter, and if she's in the car, you don't say out loud, where do y'all want to go eat? Because she always wants to eat at the, the prince's place. I don't know if y'all know where the prince's place is. There's a little pizza place right down here called Majestic Pies. And if you go in there, there's a, th there's a throne, and they've got little crowns and tiaras up on, hanging on it. So you can sit there and put on a, a crown, and, and you can have your picture made. And I don't know how many times the same little girl can go in, wear the same little tiara, and sit on the same throne and have her picture made. But anytime you say, where do you want to eat, that's where she wants to eat. 
We know what crowns are, right? But I, and I, was gonna, I started looking up. I was going to bring you some pictures, but I thought, no, I'm going to lose the crowd if I do this, if I show pictures of this. You know, we're kind of already into some of, the, some of the depth of this, and so I didn't want to show you, show you pictures, but, you know, I, I started thinking about it, and I've seen some of these. And so, you know, like, you know, like a potato festival, you know, and the queen of the potato festival, they put a crown on her head. You know what her crown was made of? Potatoes, right? Because it was a potato festival. That was the queen. Is what she was the queen over, potatoes. There was another one. It was the um, Hebrew National Winnie Festival. And guess what? Her crown was made of. Yeah, hot dogs, right? <laughs> you know, and that's what it was made of. And, and so it's because the, the crown was made of the things that, that they were the rulers over, the queen, the king over, right? And so in the same way, that's the way it is with, uh, that's the way it is with kings and queens of this earth. What are their crowns made of? Gold, inlaid with jewels and treasures, right? And so it was saying, look, you know, I've got so much money, I can, you know, I can wear it as a crown on my head. You know, I've got so much stuff. And so that's what, there's, it's, it's what they were rulers over. It's what they were the king over, what they were the queen over. That's what their crown was made of. But what was Jesus made of? That verse, again, we read it just a few moments ago. They wove thorn branches into a crown and put it on his head. Those soldiers thought they were just mocking Jesus. They thought they were making fun of him being king. Let's give him a crown. But they didn't realize what they were doing. It's because Jesus isn't just the king over all the treasure. Let's bring up that point there. I'm going to read it together. Jesus' crown says he's not an earthly king who rules only over gold and treasures. Jesus reigns over our suffering and our struggles as well. That's why I, I don't know what it says to you, but that's what it says to me. Is he's, he is king over all that stuff, the jewels and the treasures and the gold. He's king over all that, but that crown tells me he's also the king over the throne, the thorns that I have in my life. And you have thorns, and we all have, just like I said a few moments ago, several times, we're all broken, and we all have thorns. We all have thorns. And I know some of us, we don't like to act like, and we, we, we like to act like we don't have any problems. We can't come forward for prayer. People think we've got problems in our life. No, listen, we already know you've got problems in your life. The only question is, are you willing to let Jesus help you with those problems? Can I tell you something? You know, you know how long I plan to live my life without Jesus? Not one second. I know some people that, that this is all it is, an hour and 15 minutes, an hour and a half on Sunday morning, that's all it is, and, and they struggle all week long and wonder why. So I don't, I don't want Jesus for just a moment. I want him in every part of my life because he is the king over my thorns. Okay, hang on to that one too, okay? Let's, let's cinch all this up real tight here with this. If you were going to see a king today here on this earth, what, what would you need? What would you need to know? Now listen, uh, you know, and I, I almost said in the first service, I almost said, if you're going to see the Queen of England, I mean, we've had a queen, or they have had a queen in England for so long. I mean, it sounds weird to say go to see the king in England. I mean, you know, it sounds like an old song back from uh, you know revolutionary days or something because you know we we just had a queen for so long there in England, and now there's a king there. But if you were going to see that king, you know, you 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 would need some lessons. You know, because, uh, I mean, you, you don't just wear your jeans and your flip-flops, you know, and you don't just, you don't go in and give him a high-five and all that. I mean, there's, there's some things you need to know, some ways that you need to approach, you know, and, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. But there are two pieces of protocol, two little things 
that you need to know, that we need to know about our approach to our king also. And the first one is this. Every king wants to be worshipped and honored. Every king. Worshipped and honored. That when you go before, if you ever read and some of those stories in the Old Testament, and you can see this in other literature as well, and where people are just using the biggest words they can, you know, when they come before a king or something, you know, your excellent majesty and da da da, all this, you know, your illustriousness, and I think some of them they're just making up words, right? You know, because the king wants to be honored, he wants to be worshipped. The way we close service at twenty nine eleven is we. After we pray, we have another song. And the reason, this was something that was on my heart years ago, way before we even launched 29-11, but it just seemed like, you know, I'd preach a message, you know, and, and, and people would get it, you know, and then we'd say amen, and, and then everybody start talking, and they would kind of like lose it, you know. So we just take this moment to have one more song. So in this song, we can kind of just think about everything the Holy Spirit has been speaking to us. Because, you know, up until that last prayer and last amen, I'm talking the whole time, Right. So it's almost like you don't have time to really, you know, respond to what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. That's why we do the, this, this last song. It's for you to have some time with God. You know, that's one of the blessings of, that we have as a, Christ, as a Christ follower. That's one of our blessings is that, is that we actually get to spend time with this King. We get to be with Him. But in just a few moments, when we close the service, we're going to have a last song. And when we do, this song we're going to sing today, when we... When, you've been around here very long you you know this song it's called here again and 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 some of the words and it says it says i'm not enough okay now listen this world this world says no that's wrong you're enough you're enough just as you are you are just you're just awesome you're beautiful you're wonderful just like you are i'm telling you i'm not enough i'm not enough to deal with the life you know that i i live i'm talking about the stuff i have you know, I tell people sometimes, you know, that, you know, I got all my problems and I got all your problems too. You know, that's the way it feels sometimes as a pastor. There's no way that I am enough. And in the song it says, I'm not enough unless you come. So will you meet me here again? And that's what the prayer is in the song is, I'm not enough unless you come and will you meet me here again. And then, and then another part of that song is something that is, uh, we've been saying over and over and singing over and over in this service already is, is uh, not for a minute was I forsaken. Not for a minute was I forsaken. We talked about that. We sung about that in this service already. We're going to sing it again to just remember, man, not for a minute have I been forsaken. The Lord is in this place is the next line. This Lord that never has forsaken me, that has never, ever let me down, he is in this place. And so in this service, when we sing this song in a moment, let's bring him this worship and honor that he deserves. And remember that this is who it is. I, I know it's so easy, right, to get distracted in a service, right? Anybody ever been distracted in service? Yeah, yeah, right? That's why Dave and I like to sit on the front row because we can't see what all y'all are doing while the rest of the service is going on. Yeah? So listen, all of you that have ADD, let me tell you, encourage you, come to the front with me, okay? You know, it's just a whole lot easier. You don't get distracted near as much. But can we do this? Can we make up our mind, and not just for this song at the end of this service, but can we make up our mind that every time we come together to sing a song, that we remember that the Lord who has never forsaken us is in this place and do everything we can to not be distracted by anything else because this is the moment to bring him worship and to bring him honor. 
and let us focus on that. Okay, but here's the, I told you there were two things about protocol. The second one is gifts. You know, you, you know, kings expect gifts when you show up. You know, they expect you to bring them something. You see that also in, in the Old Testament, other literature, people coming in. And you know what? God even says that about himself in the Old Testament. He says this, and he says it several places. He says, no one is to appear before me empty-handed. You know what that means? He's saying, you're supposed to bring an offering when you come to the temple. You know, it's like, like I've told people a lot of times, you know, when you get to my house, just ring the doorbell with your elbow. You don't know what that means? He's like, why, why am I elbow? Well, because you're going to be carrying a casserole dessert or something, right? And you'll have to do this, right? And that's the way we're supposed to be with God. When we get here, we're, we're supposed to be bringing something. So, yes, bring our tithes, bring our offerings, and bring our efforts and, our, and part of our time. We give all that to God. We give some of that all to God. But, you know, that's what kings of this earth ask for. But Jesus has, a, has another crown. He already has all the treasure. He already owns all the gold. He created all. This world is his. The world and they that dwell therein, in, Psalms tells us. It already belongs to him, but he also has this crown of thorns. And like every king wants you to bring them more of what they've got in their crown, so does Jesus. He wants you to bring your thorns to him. Think about that. That's what he, that's what he begs you to do this morning. He wants you to bring your thorns to him. And every one of us has thorns. You have thorns. All, all of us have thorns. And, you know, and I know, again, a lot of us like to act like we don't have any problems. But you know the Apostle Paul. Y'all ever heard of the Apostle Paul in the, in the Bible, the New Testament? I mean, he seemed like, I mean, he and God were like this, it seemed like. You know, God was just talking to Paul. It seemed like all the time. You know, Paul could pray, you know, and, and hear back from God immediately. Miracles were happening through Paul. But you know what Paul said one time about thorns? He said he had a thorn in the flesh. And he prayed for it to be taken from him several times. And I've heard people preach about that, and they say, and God never took it away from him. We don't know that. We know that at the moment Paul said that, God had not taken it away from him. And he had already prayed three times. But what if he prayed again and God took it away from him that time? We don't know. We just know that he has a, And if Paul has thorns, I guarantee you, you and I, we're going to have some thorns as well. And, you know, your thorn... It, it, when you think of thorn in the flesh, what do you think of? Some of you think about your boss at work, right? Thorn in my flesh, right? Some of you thinking about a bully at school. Some of you may have a teacher that you think she or he just does not like me at all. I can't get anywhere with him or whatever. Or maybe your thorn in the flesh is a literal fleshly thorn where you're sick in body. You can't get well, and you can't get well, and you try, and you can't get well. Or maybe you've got financial needs that, that it seems like every time you dig out, something happens, you just fall right back into that pit. And, when, and, and, it's, and it just seems like, you know, that's a thorn in the flesh that you can't, you can't get delivered from it. You just back and forth, back and forth, and you've got that thorn in the flesh. Family problems, all kinds of stuff. There are all kinds of thorns. But every, listen to me, every person, are you, an, are you a person? Every person has thorns. Here's what I want to do a little differently today. I normally pray a prayer, have you stand up while I pray a prayer, and then we sing that song. And I want to do something different. This is a blessing that you and I have, is to be able to come into the throne room and bring our thorns to Jesus. He asks us to. 
Thanks for listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. If you have a need, we would love to pray with you. You can connect with our prayer team by emailing prayer at church2911.com or by texting 205-476-2911. You can learn more about our church by visiting us online at church2911.com and by connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram at church2911. We hope this message has encouraged you and reminded you that God loves you and has an amazing dream for your life. As always, we dare you to dream.